Welcome back to the Fraud Academy podcast. We're excited to welcome Nick Garner on the podcast this week to tell us more about what fighting fraud in the gambling industry looks like. Nick is the CEO and founder of the online casino Ashi, or the Bitcoin Casino, which launched back in 2015. With over 10 years of experience in the gambling industry, Nick knows the fraud landscape very well. He and Jerry discuss the types of fraud online casinos experience and what can be done to prevent attacks. So, uh, welcome, Nick, to uh, the podcast series. It's always great to get an actual practitioner, someone at the sort of, you know, cold face of dealing with a uh, fraud and strange behavior that uh, sometimes consumers do. Um, you run um, an online casino called Oshi. Um, I just wonder what inspired you to, to build your own online casino? Yeah, well, it was the emergence of cryptocurrency. And because I'd been working in the online gambling business for a number of years beforehand, the one thing I noticed was the desire for anonymity. Mm -hmm. So there's a theoretical thing, which is there are market opportunities when markets are in growth and when new stuff comes along. So it's a good time to jump in and then hopefully become what I call a category leader within an ecosystem. So we got it to the game slightly late, I will say, but we've built a solid business and we're very much part of the landscape and we have our own specializations. And I suppose underneath, underlying all of that, my big driver was that I just felt I could do a good job of it. And if it worked, it would be huge. And I had the resources to give it a go. So for inveterate gamblers like myself, I think I understand online casinos reasonably well. But for our listeners, um, I mean, what are the economics of an online casino I mean, the business itself? I mean, who, who makes money? How do they make money? Yeah, well, it's principally a high turnover, low, low margin business. So depending on the type of casino, whether it's online or offline, you then have different differing house edges. So... For an offline casino, the house edge is typically, I think, around 6 to 8%. Mm-hmm. For an online casino, it's around 3%. Okay. So the, the way all these probabilities are set out is actually by, largely by the game providers. So they build the games using uh, RNGs or random number generators to assume an overall house edge of between five and three percent uh, on average for us our margin is about our gross margin is three percent on bet turnover so yep. you put in a hundred euros will on average take three and yeah yeah sorry i, I was going to say that the margin is reasonably tight um yeah so, so the losses to fraud must be pretty concerning if well, you have exposure to that or i mean if we expand fraud to mean stuff like uh, abuse terms and conditions abuse or some sort of behavior that's that's contrary to, to how you expect users behave okay well there's a little bit more to the the, the economics thread and that is and, and this leads then into the whole business about uh, of a bonus abuse and so on so once you've got your three percent then you have to pay affiliates mm-hmm. or pay for marketing but marketing full stop and that's typically 
35% of gross revenue. Yeah. Then you have game provider fees, and they typically work out at around 15% of gross revenue. So now we're up to €1.50 or pound fifty of that 100 that we use. And then uh, in my case, we have to then pay fees out to uh, our um, white label operator, and we're left with money for bonuses. Right. So typically bonus bonuses are around 30 to 40% of gross revenue cost. Now, there is a variable to this, which is that if a customer doesn't win money, then we don't pay game provider fees. The fact is bonuses are very expensive and there's a constant push to drop them down. Now, when it comes to fraud, what what one needs to bear in mind is that the margins are so thin mm -hmm. that if a group of customers can sniff out a weakness in your bonus lineup, they will go for it and you can lose a ton of cash. Can you explain... Um, just why bonuses are so prevalent in the market? What's what's yeah. driving that um, mechanism? Well, it's a few things. So it's a very it's a very commoditized marketplace, mm -hmm. and there by that I mean that, for example, in well, in whether it's sportsbook or casino, or say even bingo, for example, they're all the same. Yeah. So the only real differentiator is branding. And if you have a brand that resonates, then you can potentially get to the top, as it were. So Foxy Bingo is a very good example. Yeah. It's just bingo, but it's got a fox. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. So, okay. So because gamblers know that one casino is essentially the same as another, because the games they play are the same everywhere, then yeah. the only variables are the amount of bonus money that, that are given out and the customer services. But if you're a fresh gambler on a website, customer services is probably not the first thing you're thinking about. Customer service would be how you look after a customer or do you yeah. have a resolution problems. Exactly. Kind of yeah. So they're not going to think, oh, I'm going to join a casino and they're going to sort out my problems because they're thinking there shouldn't be any problems. Yeah. So you get this whole issue about, uh, about people looking at these this plethora of brands and I think there's something like around 3,000 different online casinos out there mm -hmm. that are all competing for business uh, by the law of of uh, the marketplace I would say the top 1% probably have 50% of the of the market share yeah but anyway so You've got a lot of brands trying to get some airspace and the way they, the least imaginative, most efficient way to get new customers is to give stuff away. Yeah. Boom. So the whole ecosystem is driven by free money. And what sort of risk does that open a business up to? I mean, apart from the fact that they may just lose. Well, but if, if I made a 50% margin yeah. on a sale, then and I sold something for £100, I've got £50 to play with. So yeah. in theory, if I make two mistakes, if I make, yeah, if I 
I make one mistake out of two sales, I'm still evens. But if I make a mistake as a casino, because my actual margin is 1% of that mm. 100, then it's going to take me a lot of business to recoup the mistake that's been made. And this is why handling bonuses are like handling something very volatile, because they are. Yeah. And so the risk is, I mean, presumably a bonus is there for a new customer to come in for the first time, bets £100 or, or bet whatever, £100 or deposit some money, mm -hmm. but you're, you're trying to gain a new customer, right? Yeah. Um, but the behavior we've seen in other industries is that a customer will create multiple accounts or try to create multiple accounts and yeah. to use bonuses multiple times. Is that something you've seen? Is that a, yeah. a common problem? And you know what, what methods can you use to sort of deflect that? So we had... We had a we did some deals with some Russian affiliates, and they wanted a no deposit bonus. So this is a no deposit free spin bonus. So this is essentially a, a the, the casino mm -hmm. giving away some spins on a roulette game. So yeah, you can spin five times on us. Great. So the idea is it's a free taster. So that's fine if you're not dishing out too many free spins. Mm -hmm. 20,000 20, free spins later, we realized that this was just suicide if we carried on. Yeah. And uh, all it was was just hundreds. It, it must have got out in a forum somewhere. But there were some clever people who were financially motivated enough to spend a lot of time making multiple accounts. And these people would knock out, say, 50 or 60 accounts. Yeah. Just bam, 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 like that. Uh, and... Is this using bots to create those accounts, do you I think? I guess or they is must it? have done. I yeah. don't know. Uh, but it was prolific. Now, fortunately, yeah. we've got a decent fraud detection system. But the fact was that we hemorrhaged money and we have hardly any real Russian customers. Right. So <laughs> yeah. there's a whole thing about... So there's a couple of things. From a, from a fraud point of view, there is the whole thing about being careful with what you do mm -hmm. and disincentivizing players who just want to suck money out of you yeah. and incentivizing those who want to stick around. And how you do that is as much an art as anything else. But there are some general rules which seem to work around yeah. disincentivizing bonus abuse. And they are obviously wager requirements. No free, no free wager requirements are you have to deposit. So this is, sorry, yeah. yes, indeed. So yeah. what happens is that, so just to explain how bonuses work. So uh, there are two broadly in casinos and in sportsbook as well. You can have a match bet mm -hmm. and there's lots of, derivations of a match bet but essentially you deposit a hundred we give you a hundred if it's a hundred percent match bet yeah and in theory you have 200 X to play with and to to bet and if you win money from your bonus money you have to then keep betting it and you have to churn it through on average 40 times right. so some some are yeah. less some some brands 35 times or whatever but 40 is the number 
because statistically, if you assume a three percent house edge, we're going to come out at a hundred. The probability of of us eroding that bonus money is like a, it's one hundred and twenty percent total. So, in other words, in theory, the customer is minus twenty percent. Yeah. In practice, people get lucky, and they're smart enough to Stop play the game do. right. Yeah. Uh, there's also a big issue with bots because bots play more efficiently than humans. So, can, can, you, can you tell from the inside whether a bot's playing? Is it is there are they smart enough there to mimic human patterns, or is it? Well, it's it's. I think bad bots, yes. Yeah. Good bots, of course, no, because if we did, <laughs> we'd know about them, but we don't. So a bad bot will just go bam, 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 like this, and humans don't do that. Yeah. So it's quite easy to spot. But the all that's doing is just playing efficiently. Mm-hmm. And if a business is relying on inefficient play, and it, most casinos kind of are, to get that to go from that three percent margin up to say a five percent margin, then bots are bad. Can I ask a little bit about um, um, so accounts and fake accounts and multiple accounts and duplicate accounts is a big issue in gambling, big issue around compliance. And, yes, um, I mean how uh, how important is it to be able to tie an account to a to a real identity? Is that sort of connection something? Uh, it's like aspirational. Do you think it's something that, that, that the industry should be trying to implement much more strongly? That's not necessarily KYC. It's not necessarily know your customer regulations and sign up, but it's you know, if you, can you detect within your database that this just doesn't look real? There can't be sixty thousand people in the Moldova who have all suddenly signed up. Lobbies need to be fake. I mean, do you think there's there's more work that can be done or should be done uh, to sort of tie accounts to, to to real people, which I think would help in bonus abuse and well, other types of VPs. Okay, so so you're touching on a bunch of different things. Yeah. In regulated jurisdictions, you open an account, there is KYC, mm-hmm. the operator knows who you are, full stop. In softly red- regulated jurisdictions, i.e. Um, territories where... So, so just to... I need to go back a step. So... Different operators have different gambling licenses. Yeah. And licenses apply to different jurisdictions. So you'll have one in the UK, you'll have one in in uh, in Denmark, uh, in Netherlands, for example, or Australia now. So each government has licensing obligations that they that they apply to an operator. And these jurisdictions are generally very tight on know your customer. Then you have secondary level jurisdictions. So for example, you've got Malta and they're relatively heavy on compliance, but not quite as heavy on compliance as the UK Gambling Council, for example. And then the third tier are uh, licenses from places like Curacao. And these are the least restrictive and don't necessarily impose a need for KYC. Yeah. And I have a cryptocurrency casino and by its nature, Bitcoin is pseudo-anonymous. Therefore, 
we enter the very gray world of do we KYC somebody or do we not? Yeah. In, in a, for a regular operator in, in the UK, for example, the kind of detection they're interested in is systemic bonus abuse. And to use a phrase that I remember a lot in, in Unibet, wise guys. Right. In other words, people who are playing more or less within terms and conditions, but are being very efficient with what they do. Yeah. If that makes any sense. So in other words, yeah. they're, they're just not your regular gambler. They're yeah. the smart people who will suck money out of your casino and they will know when to stop when they've got their money. So, so a lot of the really heavy bonus abuse, I would say, is relatively absent in this country, in the UK. But where you have casinos on licenses from, say, Curacao or whatever, then we're into a whole other world. And as I said, you don't have to KYC yourself if you're a cryptocurrency customer. Yeah. So you're then into another thing, which is uh, using algorithms and so on to detect things like duplicate accounts and having a fraud detection team to just look for player behavior. And what you find is that certain players are the wise guys, inverted commas, and they're prolific around many different brands. And what they do is they just trawl around different brands, sucking money out as they do. Yeah. And unless you're streetwise about it, they will take your money. So it's a problem. And then on the other end of the spectrum, the very far end, or carrying on the cryptocurrency end, you have pure cryptocurrency players like Satoshi Dice. And they don't offer any bonuses. They accept that it's completely, complete. they accept there is complete anonymity and therefore there is no abuse because technically there can't be. Yeah. And that just works fine. There's no abuse in the sense of the kind of abuse bonuses. But... Yeah. And the problem, problem I fit in, yeah. my problem, yeah, there is no bonus. There is no bonus abuse, therefore. Yeah. Uh, and the problem I have as a cryptocurrency operator is that I sit between incentivizing people to abuse and some anonymity. Uh, so, Nick, that, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm just wondering, because um, you're certainly at the, the, the front end of a certain type of, of uh, adversarial situation, if you want to call it. Uh, I'm just wondering what sort of lessons or, or what advice could you give to people either operating uh, in a similar industry to yourself or outside of it in terms of how they might minimize their exposure to, uh, to abuse or to fraud? So when I began this journey, I was naive enough to think that there would be a little bit of love out there. <laughs> there is. Oh, Nick. There is. <laughs> there is. But fundamentally... Being a gambling operator, you're one side of the equation. Yeah. And of course, you've got to be uh, caring and help on customer services issues and so on. And that, so that's a baseline, as it were. But what I've noticed is how ruthlessly effective wisdom of the crowds is on identifying opportunities to make cash from badly structured bonuses. Yeah. It's absolutely remarkable. So I've always paid a, a lot, well, 
after the Russian incident, yeah. I started to pay a lot more attention to the data. And what I've noticed is consistently, when there is something that is a loophole, people will jump into it and they'll use it because they're not going to be nice about it because you're the adversary, simply. Uh, and I discovered a loophole recently with with more free spins, in fact. So uh, we've got to close that. Well, we have closed it up, but it just kind of carries on. Yeah. So my best advice is when you're thinking about this kind of stuff, it's it's very important to structure bonuses around building relationships and thus habituation. Yeah. So this is where this idea of reload bonuses are really good. So you give stuff to people on particular days or uh, daily or whatever, but just encouraging people to come back and to enjoy your hospitality. That's a big thing. But the wisdom of the crowds is absolutely remarkable. And if you don't know, there's a very good book called The Wisdom of the Crowds. And large groups of people are spectacularly accurate on estimating things and discovery and so on. It is remarkable. And like I say, I've seen this so many times with bonuses and with our customer base and how they find value. Yeah. So if you're an operator or if you're, in, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to be an operator. You could be a retailer, anything. The fact is you may want to give, give, give to get, get, get. But if you have a voucher code that's just way too generous and you haven't done your numbers right, then you're just asking for trouble because of the wisdom of the crowds, they will find it and they're going to come for you. And yeah, it, it's, I can tell you some horror stories. The, the, the best one, which I can't name the operator, but I remember it was Grand National. Yeah. And there was a, a, an affiliate site called Quidco. I don't know mm. if you've heard of Quidco. I don't think I know them. It was quite big a number of years ago. So the model was they, are, they were an affiliate to whoever. So could operator, anything, just money. An affiliate, and you would set up an account, and then they would give you a large proportion of their affiliate revenue back to the customer. Okay, nice. So, a number of operators, and one in particular, decided to do a big push on Grand National. Great, so you get lots of new customers, that's nice. Forgetting that the Grand National punter does a punt a year, and that's kind of it. So they did a CPA deal, cost per acquisition deal, mm -hmm. revenue uh, affiliate deal, and somebody let it out on Quidco. 100,000 customers later, hundreds of thousands of pounds later, all in one afternoon, they yeah. realized that maybe that wasn't such a clever idea. All right, so it can go wrong, it will go wrong. It, go, it can go wrong spectacularly. The, yeah. the point is, you really have to respect the wisdom of the crowds and people's 
people's nose for a good deal. All right. Well, Nick, thank you very much. That's a great insight. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. All right. Cheers.